We need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Well, hello there, dear listener. Thanks for tuning in. I forgot to create an event on the Facebook and the YouTube page. So if you're online and you've made it early, congratulations. I'm Trevor, a.k.a. The Iron Fist, with me as always, Joe the Tech Guy. Evening, all. So, yeah, what's going on in the world? We're going to talk about religion in Australia. We haven't really talked about it enough lately. I mean, this is a podcast. Its genesis was about bagging religion and promoting secularism. And we haven't spoken enough about what's happening in religion in Australia, so we're going to kick off with that and then maybe look at a bit of what's happening in the UK and then with local politics and maybe profits versus wages and other stuff, sportsmen behaving badly. They never do that. Right, no. Right-wing dating apps in America, things like that. So see where we end up. If you're in the chat room, say hello. I'm still in a post COVID fog, so still not operating at 100%. And stopped coughing largely, but uh, yeah, just slight headaches and just tired. So if you can avoid COVID, I strongly recommend avoiding it. So yeah. Yeah, my next door neighbour has been hacking away at night because their bathroom faces my bathroom. I hear it echoing around. Yuck. Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway. Um, right. Oh, we have two people tuned in. Yeah, good on you. John and Eric are already in there. Good on you, John and Eric. Well, Australian dominionism. uh, I think more and more people are becoming aware of what we've been rabbiting on about on this podcast for the last few years, which has been the sort of takeover of the Liberal Party by hardline Christian elements, in particular these sort of Pentecostal groups and Mormons and others who are using, you know, really the relatively small numbers in our Liberal Party branches, uh, finding it quite easy to outnumber the ordinary folk and install hardline Christian people in as candidates and in positions of power. And so there's been a few developments in the last little while to talk about. So, So what we've got is an ousted Liberal Party MP, Catherine Burnett-Wake. She came out in a speech in Parliament and basically condemned what was happening. So I'll read a bit of a report from the ABC about that. So a Victorian Liberal Party politician who was ousted at pre-selection by a candidate linked to a Pentecostal church has lashed out at extremism in politics in her final speech as a parliamentarian. So I guess the fact that she did this in Parliament helps with the publicity angle. And uh, she was widely expected to contest the November state election and was personally endorsed by federal opposition leader Peter Dutton, but she was tossed from the ticket when City Builders Church member Renee Heath won pre-selection. Joe, a lot of these New Age churches have got these funny names, River Life Church, City Builders, City Point, just... Hells. Yes. So this one was City Builders Church. In her valedictory speech, the outgoing MP said, quote, these cults try to splinter our society 
Well, ironically, speaking of oneness and unity, that is true. These groups are divisive, but they want to talk about themselves as being inclusive. They're inclusive to members of their cult. Correct, yes. And uh, they see promoting themselves as being inclusive. Quote, their extreme positions always serve a divide and conquer approach. Still quoting this pen P. Ordinary Victorians need to awaken to the threat from these groups. She should have said they should just go through the back catalogue of the IFVG podcast, but she didn't. Uh, maybe she, she says, wasn't aware of it. No, maybe she's not. We must be vigilant and we must ensure that our democracy is upheld. And an ABC investigation last month found dozens of Liberal Party members, particularly in Gippsland, had recently left the party due to concerns about infiltration by church groups. Stalwart party members told the ABC that religious groups were teaming up to take over numerous Liberal Party branches in Gippsland. Again, that politician speaking in Parliament said, quote, infiltrate, impact, impel is their strategy. Their goal is to target faltering democratic institutions where a well-organised minority can effectively disenfranchise the majority, removing moderate representation options from voters and degrading faith in democratic process. She really probably went as hard as he could in a parliamentary speech about this. I, I would say so. <clears throat> go much older. Different article. This is from Beck Simmons in the ABC. It's all on the same topic. Three days after Pentecostal pastor Brian Heath joined the Liberal Victorian Party in August 2019, he invited an international guest to address his congregation. So Pentecostal pastor, three days after joining the Liberal Party, invites an international guest and he invited Malaysian pastor Jonathan David, the founder of an international apostolic apostolic, apostolic. apostolic. Mm. network that encourages churches to penetrate and conquer the nation around them in preparation for the second coming. So three years later, no, two years later, Two years later, the church was hosting the annual general meeting for members of the Liberal Party Gippsland Federal Electorate Conference. I'm sure they got preferential rates, yeah. hiring a hall. Yeah. He joins and two years later they're hosting the Liberal Party Gippsland Federal Electorate. Mr Heath, a former Family First candidate, is now the vice president of the Liberal Party's Morwell branch. Good upstanding members of the community. Mm. I mean, these guys play a long game, but they also get a hell of a lot done quickly as well. Yeah. In two years, he's hosting the conference and he's the vice president. Yeah, I wonder how much dark money comes from the States. How much money? Yeah. For their f- from the United States? For yes. This, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they just get enough locally and just badger people. Mm. Yeah, Maybe. I, I did hear chaplains. I think we're getting some funding from the states. Okay. There's a Gold Coast uh, chaplain mm. who is being funded by churches in America. Okay. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, saying, look at the very long game that the Federalist Society is playing in the states. Indeed. Party members say, so there's Liberal Party members are saying that dwindling membership bases have left local branches vulnerable to groups seeking to build their power base. There's a quote from one of those. Our current membership is ageing, unable to recruit younger members and therefore leaves a door open for the sorts of things that's been happening. 
said a Victorian Liberal Party member. I think there's a lot of us who just feel disenchanted. He said for three years he had watched the City Builders Church and its Pentecostal allies take over local party branches in the state's east. And the ABC has seen email correspondence between the Liberal Party official, the state director and the state president, highlighting concerns about this. And they're saying that they can see it's coming through a single faith community, these new sort of sign-ups. Interestingly, Jay, they're saying most of the new members contacted and requested to assist in the 2018 state election campaign declined to assist in any capacity. So I reckon until... Throats in and that's it. Yeah, and maybe until their man or woman is in place and then they'll become active mm-hmm. and almost hope that the existing person does poorly to make it yeah. easier to take over. So sign up and then do nothing except vote is the strategy it seems. And this guy's daughter, Renee, so Mr Heath's daughter, so we're talking about Mr Heath was a former Family First candidate, now his daughter, an active church member and chiropractor. Yeah, that's the worrying bit. The chiropractor? Yeah. Yeah, alarm bells ringing me. (laughs) So she was pre-selected for the Liberal Party's upper house ticket. Mm. She declined to be interviewed, so did he. She says, I'm not my father. To suggest that I am is offensive and it belittles me. Well, they yeah, asked, there's a uh, difference in size between them for a start. Mm, the ABC asked Mrs. Heath, Ms. Heath for her stance on abortion and same-sex marriage, given her church's views, but she declined to respond. What a shock. Yeah. So these people are really angry about those sorts of uh, progressive social changes and want to turn it back. Have we seen that happen in the world anywhere recently, Joe, a turning back of progressive social issues like abortion? Yeah, and it's it's actually, it looks like it is very much dividing the Republicans in the states. Mm. I really think this year's elections are going to be, is it this year? Midterms? The midterms, midterms, yeah. Mm. I I think the Republicans are going to get a bloody nose on this Mm. because so many people, even Republicans are saying that was too far. Yeah, yep. I've got a theory um, on all this, which I'll get to. I, I'm quite interested that Gippsland has a Liberal Party because a friend of mine was very heavily involved with the National Party in Gippsland. Right. okay. And, and you wouldn't think they'd have a Liberal and a National standing in the same seat. Don't know. And this is a lot of state politics we're talking about at the moment. Oh, is it I state? Yeah, yeah, I think that was federal. Yeah, Maybe. Lots of people resigning from the party, it says here. Lots of the people unnerved by the whole thing. And look, I, I just, I'll, I'll fast forward to my crystal ball. So, so Joe, I reckon, like you've just mentioned the Republican Party, and we've got a really clear picture now of the Liberal Party upheaval where existing normal members, if you like, are leaving. I don't see that there's any salvation for the Liberal Party. It's not like I don't think there's a strong enough movement to repel them. They're just going to keep taking it over, these hardline Christian groups. And I think in the process they'll make themselves unelectable as a party. Yeah. Like, Joe, this could actually, maybe we should be looking at this as a good thing. Well, it's the same with their anti-climate change stance, the fact that the SEALs did so well. Yeah, wasn't a reflection on how great Labor was. It, it was a reflection on 
these people who want to vote liberal yep. are, are upset about the way that the party is going on climate change. Yeah. So, Joe, if all these people leave the Liberal Party and can't vote for them anymore, and they're not going to join Labor Party, they want to be a sort of pro-business, pro, you know, no government regulation, blah, 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 without the religious element. I mean, they'll be tempted to start a new political party of some sort. I thought they already had. Can we predict a... You know, there was you know, Labor had that DLP split, which I can't remember the exact circumstances of it now off the top of my head. But political parties do split, and you know, the problem for Americans is that they don't have preferential voting. Okay, but like really, mm-hmm. opening up a, a, another party is not an option. But it certainly is an option here. I, you know, if the Liberals split and create a new party, then. The danger is that the, let's say they call it the Conservative Party, for example, mm-hmm. then the old Liberal Party falls into rack and ruin, is unelectable because it just looks like Family First and Fred Nile. And the, the, the worry for the new Conservative Party would be, well, how do we just stop these nutters coming into our, our new fresh party and taking it over again? Yeah, I guess you'd write the I know that the British psychiatric something or other had a problem with uh, Scientologists taking over. Right. And they joined and they were electing new members basically onto the board. And they had to introduce a law that, or a a bylaw that said you couldn't only, you could only be elected onto the board if you'd been a member for more than five years. Right. And that stopped an influx of new members voting people on. Well, I know in New South Wales they sort of changed things to make it the membership just longer, mm-hmm. but that was fine because these guys play a long game. Like well, they'll just sign up and wait two years, three years, however long it takes, and I reckon it just makes it harder then for the non-religious groups to mount a so defence. To rest back. Yes, because they can't convince people. The other thing is if you've started a new party, you can't very well say, well, you have to have been a member of the party for five years because well, nobody yeah. has been, so that's a new party. I think, Joe, the only solution would be for the new Conservative Party to say, to have a, have a policy that was so... Abhorrent? Abhorrent to religious people that they could never join. Like but, if it was, it was completely very hardline secular that religious people couldn't join and it was a fundamental tenet of the constitution of the party that was ironclad. I think I, that's the only defence. I, I think, but they, they want mainstream religious people. They just don't want the fringe. Yeah, well. I, I think the, the core of their demographic is, you know, mainstream Catholic, mainstream Anglican. Well, to keep these nutters out, I can't think of any other way. If they create a new party, split off, I just think what's to stop them doing it all again? I think the only way to shore it up and stop it happening again is to to make themselves unpalatable to what these dominionists want to do. Could work out for us in the end, this whole thing. Like, as secularists, oh, absolutely. people who have I, a disdain I, for religion. I just don't see the Conservatives ever giving up hmm. religion. Yeah, well, I think they're just going to 
it looks like they're just going to become more and more irrelevant. They'll just at some point they want power and they'll just be sick of it. So I mean, they don't like these people. Greens, Greens, and the Labor. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you look at these everyday rank and file Liberal Party members who just don't want any part of this. They're just leaving. So ah. What do they say in the chat room? Is this a crazy idea of mine? Is this possible? So I think, yeah, just sort of crystal ball gazing and looking into the future as this Liberal Party becomes more and more crazy and more normal people leave. It has to split. They have to form a new party and they'll have to do something to keep the nutters out is my view. So we'll see how that all pans out. I thought I thought there was the new Liberal Party or the new something had started in the maybe six months, a year ago. I haven't really – I haven't seen a group split off from the Liberal Party, though, as a, as a, as a split from them. I don't know. I, I thought I saw something. Mm-hmm. I'd need to go and check. Yeah. So – what else I've still got on this topic is there was an article by Lucy Hamilton and she was saying Australians must not ignore the religious rights global warnings. She says, this is not a movement that thinks in election cycles. It has taken almost a century for American businessmen and preachers appalled by atheist communism to make over the Republican Party as a Christian libertarian force. That's true. They play the long game. Pentecostal evangelicals are now central to Republican power. Donald Trump received 80% of the white evangelical vote in 2016 and 75% in 2020, and they formed 35% of Republican coalition. Yes, yeah, that said, was Fulwell and Reagan, wasn't it, with the moral majority, and Reagan yeah. was desperately trying to win over the, yep. the conservative vote. And and uh, that's when abortion became a, a splinter issue. I think even earlier than that, abortion became a splinter issue. Well, I uh, c- that, certainly, yeah. I think in the sixties, mm. the evangelicals, the, the 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 not the Catholics, everyone thought it was just a Catholic problem, and yep. they thought it was between a, a woman and her God and the doctor. Yes, indeed. Your, your standard it, Protestant didn't care. Yeah. It was not an issue for them. Even an evangelical Christian correct, didn't yep. care. It was created as a means of a political wedge, mm-hmm. in a sense, and created as a thing. So they intentionally made a cultural shift and made it a big thing for, for Protestants. And lo and behold, it was, yeah, to win votes, to create, yeah. to, to help. Was it Nixon? To help Nixon win the South? can't remember exactly, but it was a way of trying to garner the southern vote. Yeah. Right. A very intentional line wedge. What have we got here? Bill Barr. Bill Barr. Trump's last attorney general delivered an address at Notre Dame University in 2019 that illustrated the anxieties in ultra-conservative Catholic circles. The militant secularists were executing a campaign to destroy the traditional moral order. All kinds of social pathology were undermining America as a result of this progressive war on the traditional Judeo-Christian moral system. Churches like, or groups like Church Militant present a crusader model of Catholicism which fights alongside evangelical Christians for an end to abortion and a return to traditional sex roles. So this trend continues with the worldwide resurgence of authoritarian regimes. In classic fascist mode, 
a central feature is intolerance and bigotry associated with the defence of a mythical past of national glory. Religion is a key component of the culture defended of a homogenous nation. These movements believe can be recreated if only its defenders are ruthless enough. So, Joe, uh, Italy... Elections. I was about to say, Italian elections, a, mm. the, their first female prime minister, yep. who some people are saying is centre-right, other people are saying she's a fascist. Yes. I, I haven't delved deeply enough to check it out. Yes, I haven't either, but there's certainly a lot of talk that she's a mm. pretty close to a modern-day fascist, and Christianity plays a big role in her speeches as well. It's, it's this talk of... The family, traditional values, Christianity. It's interesting um, because I swear they had a former porn star, female porn star, well, as a member of parliament not that long ago. Yeah. Things so, change. Obviously. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, well, it's all a mixture, isn't it? It's You've got the, the blue-collar workers who have lost their work, who are looking to blame somebody, and you've got these religious groups who are imploring for a return to traditional values and the good old days. If only we would get our morals back and then we'd get our economy back sort of thing. So it's an intertwining of, of all those concepts. Not a wishful thinking. Yes, and it all wraps up neatly in a little bit of a fascist bundle as well, unfortunately, because the bloody left, instead of talking about class and helping the poor working man get sidetracked with all these other issues and the poor working man says, well, I'm not hearing anything that's helpful over there. Where can I hear something that will be helpful? Oh, Donald Trump sounds okay. Or this fascist Italian leader sounds okay. Well, and also they have the the, the balls to say what you were thinking. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So this defence of family values or traditional culture is used to justify persecution of the targeted outgroups in typical fascist identity politics style. So, yeah, so this is true in Russia, Republican America, Poland, Hungary, Brazil. It's not limited to Christian nations. Modi's Hindu India vision, for instance, embraces the same tradition justifications for oppression. So dangerous mix of religion pulling emotional strings mm -hmm. with people who are economically poor, looking for answers, looking for revenge, looking for something different. It's, so, it's Marx's quote, isn't it? <coughs> about religion. Being the opium of the people. Mm. Well, actually, I've got. A, let me uh, let me bring a video here. So, I got some nice feedback from people about the cultural Marxism episode. Oh yeah. So that was good. Let me play. Now, here's a clip from some Jewish professors did a study of religious instruction from a Jewish perspective, like Jewish religious instruction lessons in schools. Mm. And guess what? They were very in favour of it. But I, I, um, Queensland Parents for Secular State Schools had a bit of a thing on a Facebook page. I extracted a little clip from what this 
professor had to say. Now, let me just see what, let me just give you her credentials so you know what we're dealing with here. So this is Professor Susan Rutland and she's speaking on a radio station called Hope 103.2. I wonder what their um, Mm. bent is. Yeah. Apparently when you drive across America, yeah, all you get. Oh, this is American, right? No, this is Australia. Okay. Yeah. But hey, yeah, we're on the way. I was going to say, is when you drive out west, there's there's the ABC, there's the bookies, and then there's Christian radio, and those are the three things you listen out west. Is that right? Hmm? There you go. In Australia, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently in America, it's you know all the go are these if Christian radio stations. Just just past Toowoomba, basically between Toowoomba and St George, there yeah. are signs up about you know. Where will you be in a hundred years' time? Repent now, or spend your eternity burning in hell? Okay, tune into Eternity one hundred four point five. Well, it was, yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah. there's definitely yeah an area of Queensland that is very, very Bible Belt. It is out there. It is. You do see a lot of signs on the way to Toowoomba. Yeah. Anyway, so she's a professor emeritus of religion, University of Sydney. Mm-hmm. Let's hear, and she's talking about the opponents to the people like Queensland Parents for Secular State Schools and people like Ferris. Here's what she's got to say. And what they're doing is representing that left wing ideology which starts with Karl Marx. Yes. Marx argued that religion was the opiate for the people. Yes. And that if one removed religion and class divisions, one would have the ideal society. Well, that was well and truly tested. In 70 years in the former Soviet Union, what simply happened was religion went underground. But one saw under this secular atheist societies, I mean, communism really became the new religion. But what's more, millions were murdered. Nazism was also paganist. Mm. It was not a religious, it was anti-religious in its core. Mm. So... To say that religion is the source of all the world's ills and we just need to get rid of religion is a misreading of human nature. So there you go, ladies at Queensland Parents for Secular State Schools and all those hardworking people at Ferris. You're just a bunch of Marxists. That's what you are. And once you've been labelled a Marxist, then you're a terrible person. You're responsible for all of the gulags in the former Soviet Union and and... End of story. We don't even need to yeah. talk about it anymore, do we? The Nazis were so secular that they had belt buckles with God with us engraved upon it. Yes. And, you know, and they cut deals with the Pope. Exactly. Over various things, which I'm now tempted to talk about. I'll, next week. Celebrating to... Hitler's birthday. Yeah. And the, and the various agreements in terms of tithing that took place in Germany as a result of deals done between the Nazi and the, and the Pope and... And the shuffling war criminals by the papacy as well mm. around the world. The rat run. Yep, exactly. Just. Oh, sorry, the it, rat line. Yeah. Let's talk about that in, in the not too distant future. Um, but yeah, I but, mean, so, yeah. so communist Russia was as dogmatic as the worst yeah. theocratic state. Yeah. A secularism that is rational and informed, on the other hand. Yeah. I, I think. The secularism that has come about in the last 50, 70 years in Western Europe, I think people's lives have greatly improved under that. Yeah. Under, than compared to any theocracy. Yeah. 
There's one of those Marxists in the chat room, Alison. She's laughing out loud, apparently. As you would, evil Marxist. Dear, oh dear. Just finishing up on this religion in Australia thing, by the way, Fiona Patton is up for re-election. I think um, she's she's also, also got cancer. Yeah, some kidney cancer, I think hmm. it was, something like that. So best wishes to Fiona Patton. Hopes and, and prayers. Mm, thoughts and Sorry, prayers. Sorry, thoughts and prayers. That's it. She's fighting for her seat. She only got in by the skin of her teeth last time. Okay. And apparently she wrote an email asking for financial donations. So mm -hmm. I'm sure she's got a website, find her there and do that. But making the point that she feels they're ganging up on her in terms of religious groups and together with a preference whisperer and that they're going to do everything they can to – Keep her out. To push her down I'm sure. by virtue of a bunch of minor pro-religious groups using a preference whisperer. So, so yeah, Fiona Patton has done a lot for secularism in Australia. So find her Facebook page or website and I'm sure it'll be an easy way to donate. Still, still on religion, kind of. Um, you've heard of Canberra Declaration? <coughs> Maybe. Some sort of religious group. Anyway, article by Kathy Club and exorcists, Joe, are seeing harmful consequences from smoking ceremonies. So, although elements of paganism have been creeping into various parishes and dioceses for some time, the blatant idolatry on display during the 2019 Amazon Synod really opened the floodgates. Since that time, faithful Catholics in the West have been inundated by Indigenous emblems, prayers and rituals in what appears to be an attempt to change the Catholic Church's very identity. Dear me, I mean, you wouldn't want them not selling indulgences anymore, yeah. would you? No. And it says here, in Australia that trend is quite evident and the focus on Aboriginal culture, which is being promoted politically and in the corporate world, is being mirrored by the Catholic Church. When too much attention is given to another form of spirituality, there's always a risk that the preeminence of the Catholic faith will be overlooked. However, that is not the extent of the that is not the extent of the problems facing an institution that is starting to view pagan ceremonies as interchangeable with its own rituals. So this woman is complaining. So like Christmas and Easter then. Mm. As pagan yes. ceremonies that were stolen by the Catholics. Indeed. Stop ruining her lines with facts, Joe. <laughs> She's not happy that the Catholic Church is allowing so many smoking ceremonies. So she says, Many, including Family Life International, have expressed concern about the spiritual consequences of participation in Indigenous rituals. Given that a non-Christian ritual, by its very nature, invokes spirits other than that of the one true God, that is, it invokes demons, it seems implausible that there would be no evidence of spiritual bondage or oppression among its participants. And FLI, whoever that is... Family Life International. Uh, thank you. Sought counsel from that group of experts who sees the devastation of spiritual warfare on a daily basis. Who would that group be? Well, none other, dear listener, than church-appointed exorcists. And what they that movie. <laughs> and what they revealed... You know, all that spewing up of green gunk out of her lungs, mm -hmm. that's how I, what I was like if the first week and a half of COVID. I oh, was, okay. Yeah. You'd been eating pea soup, had you? I was doing a Linda Blair impersonation. 
one point there. And uh, having talked to the exorcist, it's revealed their worst suspicion. Father John Rizzo, former exorcist of the Diocese of Parramatta. It's hard to keep a straight face on this. Has had years of experience in delivering unfortunate souls from demonic attack. I better be careful as I wander around Parramatta on my Sydney trips. Mm-hmm. In the two weeks before he spoke to FLI, Father Rizzo had been contacted by three families whose children are at two different schools. Each family wanted his assistance because a child was exhibiting disturbing symptoms that the parents believe are linked to dun, 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 Indigenous smoking ceremonies. Yeah, devastating symptoms like free thought and calling out yeah. bullshit when they see it. Mm. He said he'd seen some unpleasant consequences from children attending smoking ceremonies. Quote, this is from Father Rizzo, children have become irritable after being involved in such situations. Students at some schools are forced to walk through the smoke against their will. Their well-informed Catholic conscience makes them feel uncomfortable. They know that it's wrong. Well, I think forcing any child to participate in a religious ceremony is kind of wrong. Mm. Yes. Yes. Thankfully, he has found that minor exorcisms, which can be prayed by any priest, are proving effective in liberating the children. Yeah. Yeah, we, we know about Catholic priests liberating children. Mm. Quote, I particularly use the exorcism prayers from the traditional rite of baptism, he said. I recite them in Latin first and translate them afterwards into English. Well, it's known that demons can only understand English. <coughs> so there you go. That's a new take. I'll never look at a smoking ceremony the same way again, Joe. Well, maybe they should try smoking something. <laughs> ah. Yeah, there we go. All right, that's enough religion for the time being. Oh, in the chat room, Irene says, how's the Noosa Temple of Satan? It's in abeyance at the moment, Irene. For those of you who remember, the judge said Roman had committed perjury and wanted it referred to the DPP, which presumably he did very shortly afterwards. But we've heard nothing from the DPP, and it's been over six months now. So you would have thought that if there was anything to it, then they would have been calling for an interview and wanting to talk about stuff, but they haven't. So, But nevertheless, it's a very serious matter. So really just sitting on it for another six months or something, just to just to let things lie and then decide what to do after that. So we're a bit battered and bruised from the whole experience and need a rest. So so that's the story with the Noosa Temple of Satan at the moment, battered and bruised and resting and licking our wounds. So not sure what will happen down the track. Now, Joe, I've been recommending Crikey for quite a while and they're in a battle with Murdoch's over this defamation thing. Hey, and... Huh? Mm. And um, there was an interesting article from David Donovan, who's from Independent Australia. And he was basically saying that Crikey's actually not the little guy that you might think. So on the 26th of August, on my birthday, Crikey launched a crowdfunding campaign to support its decision to defend a defamation lawsuit. And... Uh, it's painted as a little indie website battling against the evil Murdoch machine, something we could all get behind. 
But David Donovan is saying that uh, it's neither independent nor poorly funded. Crikey's parent company, Private Media, has a shareholder capitalisation figure of over $20 million. Some of the major shareholders include publishing giant Allen & Unwin, global investment bank HSBC, and property tycoon Adam Schwab. Beecher's major partners, Beecher being one of the owners, are media tycoons John B. Fairfax and Cameron O'Reilly. John B. Fairfax is a part of the Fairfax family. Cameron O'Reilly is the former CEO of regional news publisher APN and is an heir to an Irish media dynasty. So there's a lot of wealthy interests who own Crikey and while they've been doing good work and while their cause against the Murdoch Empire is a good one, bear that in mind as you decide whether to contribute. Certainly. See them begging for money. What's that about the begging for money? Um, the crowdfunding. Yeah. So they're, they're saying, oh, give us money to help fund our battle. Yeah. And the question is, do they really need money or... Yeah, and maybe a lot of the people who are no, that's Cameron, providing that money are in worse Cameron state. Riley, not O'Reilly. Yeah, so this is a Cameron. O'Reilly is a uh, an heir to an Irish media dynasty. Cameron Riley, the podcast, most certainly isn't. Although I'm sure he would like to be if he could. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It certainly makes me less keen to support them financially. And this ticklish cough feels like it's not going to go away. And I don't think I really want to go through another 20 minutes and then edit out most of it. <coughs> See, you're old mail and cancelled. Yeah. So, dear listener, I think I'm going to have to... Okay, the next coughing fit, I'm going to pull a pin. See how I go. Keep sipping water, Trevor. Steve Price, you often see him on the project. You see him on various shows. He's involved a lot in the media. He's been cancelled. And he told everybody in a full-page article in the Herald Sun. So, yeah, I'm old, male and cancelled was the uh, heading, the full-page article, the Herald Sun. Joe, hurricanes and cyclones. Saw this article, it's from The Guardian. We've got cyclone season coming up. We do. It it suggests that cyclones could be named after fossil fuel corporations. I kind of like the idea. It's tempting thought, how many fossil fuel corporations are there? Well, let's just run through until we run. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, you know, Cyclone Chevron devastated cans or whatever. I mean, there's something to that, I think. Mm. We need to talk about the UK. Have you been following the new Prime Minister and her finance man? I think they're called the, they're not called the um, Treasurer, it's like the Exchequer. A Chancellor like of the Exchequer. Mm. Quasi Quateng. Oh, no, I didn't. They're, uh, they've basically passed laws cutting tax for billionaires. Yeah. And allowing bankers to keep even more bonuses at a time of real problems for cost of living. And a whole heap of well, increased they need to borrowing. bail out the, uh, the, the struggling fuel companies. <laughs> hmm. Maybe I should learn my mute button here. Let me just see. Do I need to... How can I how can I easily mute Joe if I'm gonna cough? Oh, I'll just click on that. Yeah. Oh, press M. Oh, press M. Hang on, let me try that. 
Perfect. Okay. Let me see how I go now. If I can moot, oh, I'm going to cough. So um, tax cuts for billionaires, increased borrowing, the pound has dived. It's nearly on parity with the US dollar. I saw in today's papers, or not in today's papers, in the media that the Nord Stream pipelines, Joe, mm-hmm. are failing. Like there's some massive problems with both of them where the pressure has dropped. So there's talk of some sabotage or other funny things going on. So yeah, okay. delivery of gas via Nord Stream pipeline is now really in trouble. But you can charge more money for the gas that is there. Indeed. And if you're a company that does that, then you're doing fine. Mm. So basically her whole spiel in getting elected is she's into trickle-down economics. Oh, yeah. She she still believes that all that trickle-down actually works. So I saw this tweet from this guy, James Cook, which said, I saw a homeless guy and I felt bad for him, so I did what I think any of us would do. Drove to a nearby affluent area, found the biggest, nicest house, and put a tenner through their letterbox. You mark my words, before long that money will trickle down to the homeless guy. Works every time. Yeah. And this one from a Lindsay James was, at the moment the UK feels like when Scar and his mates took over the Pride Lands in The Lion King. I like Count Bin. Count Binface actually is quite good. Yes, puts the N... The Conservative Party, putting the N into cuts since 1834. Mm. Yeah. So I think the UK, Joe, it's looking pretty sad. Sorry for them. There you go. Listen, you didn't hear any of that cough, did you? All right, just locally, Joe, federal ICAC looks good. Yeah, they're saying that there will be no historical limits as to how far back they can investigate mm. um that they will they'll basically be given a limited budget and it's up to them how to how they spend it as long as it's a large corruption so they're not going to investigate minor things but yep. anything that seems to be large enough they'll have free reign to investigate as long as it affects federal politics it's open yep. open season for them yep so something like a bottle of Grange that you forgot to declare would not be substantial enough, but mm-hmm. it has to be sort of systemic or substantial enough to justify it. Yeah, so that looks good. Although the opposition is not happy. Jane Hume said, if you get the ICAC wrong, you will deter good people from entering public office. There you go. Mm. Yeah, and um, I, I think you'll regain trust in politics. Mm. And, no, and they're it's saying a... it's not going to be open inquiries because there's a big complaint about the Gladys Berejiklian mm. was that a lot of personal stuff they were complaining had been exposed and mm. they're saying, no, this won't be open door, which is a bit, I don't know, I, I think, for justice to be done, it needs to be seen to be done. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, it seems like with the crossbenchers and everybody, it's we're going to get something that's going to be quite meaningful at the end mm. of the day. So positive things there from the Labor Party. On the negative side, they're still obsessed with AUKUS, which was an invention of Scott Morrison, Boris Johnson, 
largely, and the US tagged along, and these guys are out of it, What's the fact, why can't we simply say Morrison was a fool and, and evil in many respects and incompetent and anything with his hands, with his fingerprints on it, is, is likely just to be a complete... Shamozzle. Shamozzle. And they should really re- just rethink something like AUKUS. The same with the submarines. They're committed to nuclear submarines when small diesel powered is the way to go. But so I don't that's one thing that's disappointing me about the Labour Party. I don't uh, want to be seen as soft on foreign affairs, I think. Because yeah. they know that the Conservatives are gonna rail them on that. Yeah. At some point they've just got to be stop being scared. Mm-hmm. by this and start making decisions that are important for us. I mean, continuing this fight with the Chinese unnecessarily is in the long term really dangerous for us. So bite the bullet and deal with the issue and re-educate the public. And and call the Conservatives out as the idiots they are. Yeah. So Jason Clare popped up during the election campaign and I saw this interview with him. I'll play a bit of this one for you. I'm in Lismore. I'm talking to real people no, in the real in Sydney. world. You're who in are Sydney. Really That's hurting. Sydney CBD behind you. I was in Lismore right yesterday. Now. I like that. I'm in Lismore. No, you're not. You're in Sydney CBD. I can see behind you. Susan Lay, she's a shocker, isn't she? Just, just terrible. Surely you're sussing. Yes. With the extra S. Well, indeed. Mm. I, I think if uh, you're an idiot enough to stick an extra S in because you. Your numerologist tells you to. You deserve mm. all the stick you get. It's the calibre of uh, the people that they've got going in the Liberal Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Men's sheds, Joe. I was previously well disposed to men's sheds. Saw an interview with a men's shed and Matt Canavan and they wanting to make flagpoles and wanting money from the government so they can make flagpoles so everyone can put an Australian flag in their front garden. Uh, yeah, I looked at men's sheds a while back. And the problem was they were all open in the middle of the day. <coughs> it's great if you're retired or you're unable yeah. to work, but if you actually work, there's nothing out there. Okay. It should really be called retired men's shed. Possibly. Yeah. This was a good one. So United Australia Party, Clive Palmer. That was a decided classic. To, he decided to deregister the party and... His senator didn't even know about it. So when the media are talking to him, he says, oh, by the way, what's the story with your party being deregistered? He's like, where are you seeing that? Had no idea that his party was being deregistered. That's the communication level between Clive Palmer and his sole senator. Maybe he hadn't read his emails. We normally have, we often have Mel in the chat room on her Facebook page. She had a comment to that story saying, I just sprained my schadenfreude organ, which was a good one. I like that one, Mel. Oh, just quick before I just gasp away into oblivion here. Do I want to get into finance? No, leave that one. Sports Joe? Shaq, who came out to help promote The Voice. Yes, the indigenous Seemingly he had no connection to it and... Yeah, not only as is he a TV show. Yeah, not only is he a flat earther, but he was—he's a gambling promoter. So Senator Thorpe blasted O'Neill's sort of involvement in this voice promotion, 
given he's foreign and he's tied to the gambling industry, which badly affects Aboriginal communities in particular. So just the last person that should have been involved in that. And I didn't see it, but in the AFL they have a Brownlow medal count for the best player. And apparently it was more like a betting shop with an occasional break to show the Brownlow medal count because such was the heavy load of gambling and odds and all the rest of it during the Brownlow ceremony. That's how it felt. So that's not good and should not be allowed when kiddies or others might potentially be watching it. I mean, it's not that a good look for the AFL. An interesting thing about I was watching the latest news about Twitch, the live streaming platform, mm. and a lot of the gamers who have Twitch channels have been basically given huge amounts of money to gamble live online instead of playing games. They're gambling on these websites, and they're given uh, they're given free money to gamble with, right? And they're given huge amounts of money to play these games by the gambling companies, and Twitch is banning that. Right. Okay. And, good on them. And and there's been some uproar from the the gamers saying, "Well, hang on, you're taking a a, a and they're saying, "No, this is this is not a good thing. We don't want you promoting that." So, yeah. Twitch also banned a guy who was live streaming his gas cooker in Russia. <laughs> he had his gas cooker turned on, all four burners turned on, as a live stream, basically gloating about how much gas they had in Russia that he could do. Right. That. So Twitch also turned that one off. So they've got some standards. In the chat room, Tanya says, I have a flagpole. It has a Jolly Roger on it. Funny, Tanya. Of course it does, Captain Tanya. Yes. Irene says Clive and Donald are cut from the same cloth. That would be true in terms of their communication with their other people. Well, and also they were businessmen. Yes. That decided to get into politics. Yep. Don says, uh, remember, gamble responsibly, as we are told by the gambling mobs in almost imperceptible writing, indeed. John says, did you hear the opposition finance spokesman on Insiders say the Libs have no policies as they are the opposition? Yes, I did see that. I think that was Jane Hume, someone like that. Well, that was um, Tony Abbott's great ability, wasn't it? He didn't stand for anything. He just stood against anything that Kevin was or Julia were pr yes. proposing. Yeah, so she spoke and said, blatantly said, we don't have any policies with the opposition. We don't have to. Let's see. Irene's looking forward to the Robo Debt Royal Commission. And yeah, I'm and John Simmons. Regret doing Sorry. the pink bats now. Mm, yes. And, uh, John says I should get a puffer. All right. I think that's all in the chat room for recently. <clears throat> what else have I got here? My cough is going away. I'll keep I'll keep going for just a little bit. And this one will do. Let me just get the right chart up. So Profits and wages, talked about previously, and there's a chart on the screen. Guess what? Profits and wages used to track alongside each other, and from about 2016, massive divergence where there's been a huge increase in income in Australia, but it's all gone to profits and not to wages. So this whole talk of higher, you know, calling for wage restraint but not calling for profit restraint, people should be up in arms about. I did. Robert Reich has been talking, saying back in the, I 
think 60s, the CEO to worker pay was around 23 times. And it's now 320 something times. Right. So the average CEO is getting 10 times what they were getting. Yep. We've really just got to have some genuine conversations about this and get up in arms about it. So Ross Gittens wrote an article basically saying the Reserve Bank is crazy because they're just increasing just rates. It's such a blunt instrument and really the problem is those profits by corporations rather than wages and forcing people to reduce their spending through higher interest rates is just a crazy way of regulating an economy. So what do you do? Do you tax profits? Well, you don't rely on the Reserve Bank to do it, eh? Hey? Yeah, so you windfall tax? Yeah, maybe. Things like that, yeah. That's the sort of thing. Alan Austin had another chart which is kind of similar, showing the share of national income going to workers and corporations. It's basically a chart that looks pretty ugly from the workers' point of view. And that's about it because my voice is going and this ticklish cough is killing me. So next week I think we might talk about a bit about Japan and Plaza Record and postmodernism. Wrap it up in a bundle. A little bit less of everyday politics and news and try and do a little examination of a deeper dive into another topic. So if you are up for that, that's what I'll try and work on next week. So it's a short one again, but I've got a good excuse, I think. Anyway, um, talk to you guys next week. Bye for now. And it's a good night from him. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, first up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said and when you're talking to your friends say hey I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to and maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and uh, and just put the word out the other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just, it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event... You can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners. And that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do 
maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.